You were with me in the beginning From the blood of my birth to the ripening of my lust Oh queen, you consumed my night excretions And became to me an angel of the Lord You were calling from the highest tower that will fall and be regrown into the earth. You who turn the wheel of all the aeons, please accept once more the blood of my birth. That is. <laughs> Pian to the great queen, a hymn to the goddess that I wrote recently um, for ritual purposes to be accompanied by an offering of blood and or of sex, whatever that might mean to you, and I offer it freely. Uh, so, welcome to episode two of the Cult Iradia podcast. On the first one, I was wandering in downtown Atlanta, wandering through the city. Now I'm wandering by the river, the Chattahoochee. Just happened to start where you can still probably hear traffic from the bridge above but you'll likely hear less of that as this continues on I would like to talk with y'all today about the goddess and when I say the goddess I mean a particular goddess and also the goddess the all um, I mean Babylon and Barbello and Hecate and the Morrigan and Inanna and Ishtar and Eshkigal and countless names for a particular current the Witch Queen, the goddess as the all, but in all that manifests, incarnates in particular places in the story of life. And um, the metaphor that I have uh, come to very often for that is a river I mean that's sort of implied in the idea of a magical current generally like we'll say we're in the this or that current that, that kind of got popular I think uh, around the chaos magic days from my understanding 
um, because it's also it can be electricity current so I think there was a um, an appeal to that because it sounds more more sciencey but in terms of the goddess I, I like to think about a river and there's the great river and then the ways that it separates into all the rivulets and um, returns sometimes to the main sometimes goes off on its own and ultimately goes back into the ocean and evaporates and descends again from the mountain Uh, all of the goddess names that I've used are also particular persons, also particular beings, entities, um, but they are also emanations of the great goddess, of the great queen, um, in the same way that they all have emanations, and that we can be emanations of her. Iradia, in the name, cult Iradia, is uh, my attempt to make one of these names um, an epithet of the goddess. Uh, but as I mean, it's always it's complicated and mysterious uh, the process by which a new personality of divinity is developed. Um, but it's, it's, it's my experiment in that to see, attempt to see how it works. Um, it is referencing a few things. Uh, one is, so I say it, Iradia. Uh, the pronunciation there reflects Aradia, who is the witch queen, the goddess of the witches. Uh, Aradia, gospel of the witches, is the first text, really the first text, I mean, you could debate that a little bit, but pretty much the turning point, the zero issue of uh, the modern witchcraft tradition in the late uh, 1800s, Um, witchcraft as a positive tradition, as a thing that uh, can be claimed in a more affirmative sense um, is pretty new historically um, in the in the broad sweep of things. But I, I think that newness is actually part of part of its power, um, and it re- reflects something very primordial. And old and deep as well. Um, But it is to carry a certain kind of malefic magic, which initially, um, for uh, most of the terms usage, witch and witchcraft, meant exclusively malefic magic. Um, It no longer means that. And it is... It no longer means that because the witch queen, the great queen as the witch queen, is making herself known uh, 
in a new way. And we all get to be part of that. We are all part of that. Everyone who claims that title of witch from like (laughs) somebody on social media who um, has no idea about any of the the history of witchcraft and is just sort of uh, making vague witchy gestures. Um, They are just as much a part of that as like... Uh, people who are deep in the academic research or, or, or have, a, have a long and storied practice. Um, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be discerning in who we listen to and, and what, we, what, uh, what we choose to follow or, or, or develop in our own practice. But the whole archetype of the witch, her, her flowering lately lately as in the past few hundred years is is um is essential is essential to our time uh one of the things i think that the witch is uh and I, this has been noted uh in a bunch of places i think partic- i i first encountered it i believe in peter gray's apocalyptic witchcraft the idea of uh witch witches as antibodies as there is this catastrophic um, disease uh, whether climate crisis or all sorts of other ecological crises um, that are now with us and the the witch is something that develops to, to, to fight that off and in doing so there's a transformation. I, I think of the vaccine, uh, maybe ironically given the um, complex relationship of the occult world to vaccines, but uh, I think of a vaccine and I think of uh, the, the process of intentionally developing immunity in general. I, I think if we think of like, well, to zoom out a little more, um, Grant Morrison in there. Uh, I think 2000 uh, Disinfocon speech um, talks about a way of thinking of us, of all living things on the planet, but certainly of Homo sapiens as part of a as part of one being and not just one being, but one being still being born I'll go through some, some of the the general structure of this, because I, I think it's very relevant. Um, they talk about being abducted by aliens and seeing a fifth dimensional perspective. And from that perspective, we are all um, sort of centipedes of ourselves moving through time and then connecting with, like, at the moment of our birth, connecting with these other beings connecting with our parents into their centipedes throughout time and then with our death returning to the earth and connecting with all those other beings and all the centipedes of of them the worms and the bacteria and all that and the bacteria in our bodies and etc etc um and we are all in that sense all of the all of the life on this planet co- goes back to the, the first single, single cellular organism. Um, and all life on this planet, in that sense, is one thing, one being. That is a reflection of the all, the goddess. 
Um, that's part of... That's a big part of the thing that I'm talking about here. But there's more. There's, um, there's the particular folds, and we have the particular human fold that is really uh, uh, <laughs> relatively new in the big scheme of things and, and, and kind of a drop in the bucket. But then that drop in the bucket has had an outsized influence on the rest of, of the thing. Uh, and part of the thing is that we are... Humans, especially, we are a new being, being born. And there's no adult human being on this planet because we are all in process, in transition. We're in the cocoon or the chrysalis. And Grant Morrison also makes another interesting point there, which is that... When the caterpillar is preparing to be cocooned, um, it will eat far more than its share. It will consume a lot, and then uh, in preparation for this big transformation. Um, and then this isn't part of the Grant Morrison speech, but I would add, in the cocoon itself, it uh, turns into goo. It turns into a completely different form to then re-emerge and fly. Um, but that goo also has memory. That's an interesting part, part of that as well. Anyway, um, there is a sense in which if we are to survive this ecological catastrophe that we are in the midst of, um, that there may have been a point to it. Which is just like this being consuming uh, an excess of resources to transform into something else. And it is only the something else we will transform into that could possibly um, redeem or even possibly survive what we have let loose upon the world. Uh, And so then the figure of the vaccine and the idea would be... We get a little bit of a dose of something evil (laughs) to overcome it and to become stronger and to transform. Now, if all of the whole, the like last few hundred years, really if you think about it, last few thousand years, maybe even more, you could start it with agriculture. If all of the evils of that were a, a just a small dose, just a vaccine dose of the virus, imagine what the virus might be. Um, there is an idea that life on this planet could have come initially from a virus. But uh, uh, I, I'm not saying this only to scare you. Um, I'm saying this because I think the witch, um, the witch is newly emerging in a way that is very specific to this time and place and very specific to a 
profound turning point, not just in history, um, but in deep cosmic time. And the scale of 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 the the this uh, the scale of uh, I guess you could say the low vibration also has its high vibration equivalent, and the scale of the um, the difficulty and the trauma is is uh, has its has its equal has its twin, uh, and that is a mystery that the witch represents and knows as well. So. The other part of cult Iradia and why it is Iradia, why she is Iradia as opposed to Aradia, who is also her, uh, it's about radiation and irradiated. You know, it's about the witch as a being of the atomic age. It's about the witch as mutation, mutation in reaction to the trauma of a profound (laughs) unholy event, the splitting of the atom. And Her mysteries are tied to that too. <sighs> it's funny. Um, at a certain point in history, all the uh, all the aliens were coming down and abducting people and telling them that. Uh, they're here to help us get a, our act together because the nuclear bomb, like, we're not capable of harnessing uh, nuclear energy, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that's often explained by, like, oh, that was just, like, what was on everybody's mind at the time. So, of course, it came into people's quote-unquote hallucinations. But it is such a profound event in history. And if you look at it from a perspective of those being spirits and spirits being real and having their own agency, of course they would have a lot to say about that. And they continue to have a lot to say about that. I think now... Well, I turn to another Grant Morrison thing. Um, They talk about in their sort of memoir slash history of superheroes super gods and also a bunch of interviews i think um the idea of um so when they're a kid the uh nuclear bombs arrived to the uk with like comics and the packaging so like comics and the bomb came at the same time and the bomb seemed like this total like I mean, it was total annihilation. It is. It is the potential for total annihilation. Uh, just the like the scariest thing you can imagine. And then it came with this stuff that was like that had Superman on it. Um, and to to them at the time, 
I think maybe to a certain degree still now, but uh, uh, maybe that's adjusted, I think. Um, Superman was the alternate, like the, the, the bomb was the most profoundly evil idea we could think of. Superman is the good, uh, equal opposite, which I think is um, partly true. But I, I don't have, I used to like buy that completely, but I don't have quite as much faith in superheroes as I used to, I think probably, probably Grant Morrison would feel similarly at this point. Not totally sure. I think there's definitely something there. Um, Lately, I don't have any faith in superheroes, but I do have faith in mutants. And I think of the, uh, I think of the witch and I think of the solution to the problems coming with the problems coming uh, in the environmental reaction Um, but a reaction that's not solely a return to a previous harmony it's something new Um, I think of Donna Haraway and the Cyborg Manifesto the military industrial complex the capitalist, uh, hyper-technological, hyper-bureaucratic, technocratic society. Um, it produces monsters that will destroy it. Uh, you know, Communist Manifesto, ca- uh, capitalism produces its own grave diggers. And interestingly enough, that begins with a prophecy about spirits, a specter is haunting Europe, etc., etc., The intrusion of these evils produces something new, and that's the whole whole fucking point of the uh, the idea of story to begin with. Um, when I was very young, this was like middle school. I had a sort of Gnostic awakening. I was encountering his dark materials and uh, the Gospel of Judas and the Matrix eventually. Yeah, this would have been around the same time I watched the Matrix, I think. Um, I realized that Christianity wasn't really working for me anymore. It hadn't been for a long time, but I didn't know where else to go. The thing that ended up being a big turning point for me was thinking about the story of Pandora and how, you know, Pandora's box, you have all of these ills of the world, all of these evils and plagues and sufferings and everything like that. And then at the end, you have hope. And I was thinking of, I'd seen the... um, uh, in his dark materials, uh, the story of Eden turned into from a um, cautionary tale toward you know uh, the positive uh, letting go of innocence toward knowledge, and the snake being the good guy. I was thinking, oh well, like Pandora's box is similar. The what really is created 
in the opening of the box is the possibility of story. You need conflict. You need a little bit of um, strife and tumult to, to have a story. And I've been thinking about this a lot because as I was talking about in the last episode, um, it took me a little while to get it out. So that was actually a few months ago. But I have been back in the tumult of life, back among the living, and it is wonderful and it is joyous and I am feeling joy on a level that I have never experienced before. But it is also a tumult, it is also tumultuous and torturous. Uh, It can bring immense suffering and it is so complex because in those moments I, I know increasingly as I like adjust I know that it is worth it I know I would rather feel all of this than not feel it um, but it's difficult often and times where it is difficult it helps me to remember that this is necessary for story. To have a story. To be alive. To be incarnated. And we... We incarnate as part of a process that is the goddess coming to know herself by becoming other. I will quote from the Book of the Law, a passage that has had a big impact on me lately. I've been reflecting on it a lot and finding new profound truths every time. Just a short section. For I am divided for love's sake, for the chance of union. This is the creation of the world, that the pain of division is as nothing, and the joy of dissolution all. It could be easy to think that that is is, um, suggesting that the pain and the division are irrelevant and are easily transcended. But given the context of the rest of that, it's not... um, That's not what it is at all. The pain, the division, the nothing are necessary for the goddess to become other, to meet herself, to know herself. It is the only possibility of love. And When we return to that dissolution, to joy, to realigning with her, to being her, we return with something new. This is the only way to create something new. This is the only way to transformation. In heaven, everything is beautiful and wonderful and perfect and constant joy all the time. 
And in hell, everything is suffering and torment. Only in the middle, only in the world where story exists, do things change. Only there can new things be born. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Love is the law. Love under will.